Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the No BS Momcast podcast. Yes, this is episode seven. It's more than mental. And I have a wonderful guest today that will be joining me just briefly, but she is absolutely amazing. So she has so much to bring, so much content, so much knowledge, so much support to bring to moms. And so I really wanted to have her on and her name is Sasha Nicole. So I'm going to bring her on. Uh-oh. Hey. Hey, Sasha. <laughs> How are you? I am great. I am great. I am great. So I want to just introduce you, honey, to my No BS Momcast folks. So Sasha Nicole, she, she teaches women who feel stuck and stagnant in life about how to feel more confident and courageous through her various courses, motivational speeches, keynote speaking, and coaching. Um, so she's been a mental health and wellness advocate for the past 10 years, and she's also a postpartum depression survivor. That's, girl, that's awesome. So she's here to assist others in living a healed and whole life, even while she is, you know, dealing with her own mental health condition so like that's a whole juggling act by itself honey so welcome to the no bs mom cast tell us about what you got going on girl i'm so excited to be here so first of all thank you for having me uh so as as you mentioned i mean i am a mother um but i'm so much more than a mother and i try to really emphasize uh that you know as women i think we we always you see so many people put that title first mom and then you know but they right. never put who they are first before that and so what i really talk about preach about is just really honing in on who you are right and what your journey mm -hmm. is what your story is and so like you mentioned um i had severe postpartum after my daughter had thoughts of killing her and I uh, really had that for about almost two years. So I really share that story, that experience, developed a nonprofit for other women of color experiencing that. Uh, and then I talk about mental health in general, wellness and how to be happy, how to be whole, how to heal. Uh, and so those are all the things that really encompass like what I'm working on, what I'm doing, what my mission and my purpose is to help other women uh, and to especially help other mothers, depending on what their journey may be and where they are in life. Wow, wow, wow. And, th and that is kind of the crux of the No BS Momcast. Like, that is the exact reason why I started this Momcast, because I felt like I'm more than just a mom. I want to talk about stuff more than just things dealing with my children specifically. I want to talk about, you know, self-improvement things. I want to talk about finance things. I want to talk a little bit about messy things. I want to talk about everything that encompasses me as a woman, uh, mom being just one of those hats that I wear. So that's absolutely amazing. But I really want to kind of take it back a little bit um, because I know that I've had a couple of people that I've personally known in my life who've dealt with postpartum depression. And so I really kind of want you to talk about that and your experience with that just a little mm -hmm. bit. Like, how did you know about um, that you were suffering through this kind of, can you give us a little bit of background as to, you know, lead us into your, your story and your journey with that? Yeah, so I didn't, you know, at the time, I didn't know that that's what I was going through. I just knew that the feelings that I had didn't seem natural. They didn't, mm -hmm. I, I knew that I wanted to have a connection. I wanted to feel, you know, what the movies say in terms of as soon as I felt my baby, I just was in love and I wanted mm -hmm. to have that feeling and I didn't have it. And I deeply, you know, yearned for, for that 
that connection, that build where, where you just feel like, wow, this is a part of me. And I didn't feel that way. It never came to me. It took a lot more time to actually come to me for, before I actually felt that feeling. Uh, and so what that looked like for me was that, you know, there was a lot of emotion. I cried a lot, didn't really know why I was upset. I'd walk past the stairs or look at the wall or think about things like, you know, I just want to take her to the fire station, just leave her there. I just felt I hated when she touched me. You know, I had this this feeling of like I didn't want to be touched by her. So there were a lot of like these were, you know, what my story looked like in terms of going through that postpartum for some moms and women. Um, they overly can't be away from the child. So it's like mm -hmm. they don't want anyone to do anything. They don't want anyone to touch their child. You know, that's a form of postpartum depression as well. Whereas for me, yeah. it was the opposite. Uh, and so there were a lot of things such as like, you know, when women first have children, they may have what's called the baby blues, where they're just temporarily, they're kind of feeling down. Um, they're not sure why they're feeling sad, but it usually lasts maybe only like a few weeks. And so when you start to have these continued emotions, these continued feelings or thoughts, this is when you start to really go into the postpartum depression realm, uh, because these thoughts and these feelings, they're not going away. Um, mm -hmm. You're feeling empty. You're feeling sad. I mean, very... Um, signs of just normal depression, but in dealing with your child and you're having these consistently. And, and at that point, you know, you know, these are ways for you to look out when you need help. For me, I didn't know that I needed help. I just felt like it just wasn't natural. And I was scared to express myself or express those thoughts to anybody, mm -hmm. let alone a doctor, because I'm thinking they're going to take her away. They're going to label me. They're going to say, you know, I'm a bad mother. And I didn't, that's not what I was aiming to do. I just didn't know what to do. Gotcha. And so for a long time, I never really talked about my experience or what I was going through. Uh, it wasn't until much, much later, maybe about eight or nine months where I finally, when I was at the doctor, I finally said, well, I'm having these thoughts. I'm having these feelings. They're not going away. And her first instinct was, well, I'm just going to write you Prozac. And so for me, like, well, what does that do? You know, like I had breath, I had did the breastfeeding. I didn't want to take any depressant. I didn't know what the impact would have. And at that time, I was very against taking any type of antidepressant. I definitely felt like there's no way I'm going to let anything stimulate my mind. Like I still had that stereotype attached to mm -hmm. antidepressant. Uh, and so I wasn't open to that idea. Uh, and so there was a lot of work that I had to do just to, to really get through uh, the experience that I was having. And it wasn't until later, maybe in the second year, we were in the car and there was like, it looked as if there was a fatal accident that we were passing. Uh, and I just remember saying to God and saying like, God, like if it, if it had to be me, like if, if it was us in the, in the car accident, let her live and let me go. And in that moment, it was like really the transformation of me feeling that connection of what mothers feel for their mm -hmm. children. Because prior to that, I didn't have it. And I all I knew was that if it, the roles were reversed, I wanted her to be here even if I couldn't. And that was the defining moment for me that really just flipped the switch in terms of me feeling a little bit more connected to her. And it's still a process. Like she's older, but I, I'm, I'm, it's still a consistent action of me feeling connected, me feeling affectionate, like these are things that I've had to genuinely work on to, to, to continue the connection and be consistent with it. Wow. That's, that's, that's crazy. Cause like, you know, like you said, like most moms were like, Oh my God, I love the baby. Oh my God. I want to just sniff baby right. smells all day. Da, 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 da. 
And so, you know, sometimes it may be hard for other people to process that. And I know like being a woman and having a lot of women um, friends and people, especially people having children and different things like that, everyone's going to have a different experience. So um, what would have been a great way for a friend to support you during mm -hmm. that time? You know, um, I think a lot of times, you know, when I, when I did express some of the thoughts that I was having to a few friends of mine, their first instinct was like, girl, you tripping? Like, yeah. uh, are you crazy? And I think sometimes like as friends, it's easy, you know, some, to, to have that judgment. Um, yeah. You know, when people may tell you something, I wish that I had had a friend at that time to just say, I, I think you need help and mm -hmm. I don't know how to help you but I'm willing to try to figure out how we can help you. I think that, I, I think there's something wrong, Sasha. And, mm -hmm. and instead the instinct, the reaction was just like, you know, I even had one friend who thought I just didn't want to take care of my child. Like I just didn't want to take care of the responsibility, which was the furthest from the truth. Mm -hmm. uh, it, that wasn't the case. So there was a thought of like, well, you know, you, you, you just don't want to have to deal with what you're dealing with because at the time I was a single mom. And that that wasn't that wasn't what was happening. Her father was around, but it was it, it's different when you're not in the same household and, and, and things don't go the way you think the relationship is going to go. It, it changes. And so um, I, I just wish that, you know, a friend, a friend, if you have a friend who's going through that situation, be a listening ear and be willing to provide the support in terms of helping them get the help that they need. Uh, because that's that's the necessity, not the judgment, not the what you think it could be. But, you know, girlfriend, I think I think we need to get some other people involved here to help you and where you are in your mental space. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's that's definitely something to note, because sometimes we, we don't know how to show up for people, you know, right. when they're going through, through different things. So um, based on the information that you learned over the years with your own experience, experiences like do you know is there any way to kind of like try to prevent it at all it's like to kind of get ahead of you know possibly having some of these if you're already prone to depression anxiety uh, other mental uh illnesses these are things that you want to make sure that you create a plan when you're going into pregnancy because more times than not a person who's already dealing with depression is very prone to deal with postpartum depression a person who's already dealing with anxiety is very prone to dealing with with anxiety after their child or pregnant or while they're pregnant dealing with anxiety. Um, so you know, to developing that plan and thinking about what you're currently dealing with and even your past traumas, right? So like for me, I was abused as a child, and and so when my daughter came, the first instinct that I had was to hit because that's what happened to me. That's what I knew. That's that's what transcended language for me was hitting. Mm -hmm was, you know, not talking, not any of, you know, the other methods that we think about when we're trying to raise children in, in, in terms of not using corporal punishment as the first measure. But for me, it was like, you get punched in the face, you get, these are the things that happen as I grew up. So I had to really reprogram and relearn what discipline or just in general, what parenting looked like because of my own experiences. And so I bring that up as a form of when you have a lot of traumas that you're carrying into your into you being a parent, you have to be mindful of what that trauma is going to look like once you become a parent. Mm -hmm. and, and those are the type of things that you have to think about. Those are the type of questions that you have to ask. I mean, even when you're dating, like, 
it's, it's, it's very important to know what a person's past is and what their history is and what trauma they're bringing into the relationship because they're going to bring that same trauma into being a parent and you have to be able to work through that. And so if you're already on an antidepressant and you're having a child, you got to think about, you know, there are some antidepressants you cannot take while you're pregnant. So what does that what does that look like when you can't take that medication or what does that look like afterwards if you're breastfeeding like these are all, you know and there are some that you can take but these mm-hmm. are all the type of things that you need to think about and develop and I never thought about uh, my my previous issues having any type of impact as a mother I never thought about me dealing with depression before would have an impact and so I do think that some of those things did play a part in my experience uh, and I just wasn't aware uh, of what that looked like because during that time in my life, I didn't even know that I was experiencing depression. I just knew that there were moments in my life where I felt sad, where I felt like mm-hmm. I didn't know why I was going through what I was going through. Wow. Like that, those key things that you just mentioned are are super important to kind of like, I want to highlight um, dealing with your your own personal trauma and bringing that into parenthood. Like I, you know, fortunately I didn't have to go through like an abuse situation or anything like that growing up, but even just my parent, my, you know, my mom's parenting style, you know, um, working through it. One thing that I really have to work through is like affection. Like Mm -hmm. my mom was nice. She provided for us. She did. I definitely knew my mom was a hard worker. However, my mom was not a touchy feely, like kiss me, hug me type mom with, you know, me or my siblings. So now that I'm a mom and I have two children and I'm kind of like, my daughter is very touchy-feely. Like, and sometimes I'll be like, oh, Lord, Jesus, stop mm-hmm. touching me. <laughs> but I have to get past that and say, hey, this is what she needs. And maybe because we're so so different in our personality types, like, that's something that I'm working through from my past. I'm like, okay, I never learned how to be that soft, vulnerable, squishy parent like I just I learned work hard get what you got to do pull yourself up by your bootstraps I had a single mother you know hey especially for me being a girl hey go out there and get it rock it because you got to take care of yourself don't depend on no man no whatever, whatever all that kind of stuff you know what I'm saying so it's I'm trying to do things differently with my children but it is a daily struggle there's like I said even with the affection and stuff like that and making sure that I'm giving her enough even though it may be enough for me it may not be enough for her or my son he's still you know he's little so he's still kind of coming into his but my daughter she's about to be 13 and so she's very much very different very emotional where I'm I don't want to say emotionless but I just deal with my emotions in a different way um than she does so that was a great point and I'm definitely I'm taking I'm gonna be taking some notes while we talking honey because there's some things that I want to kind of circle back on for myself um, I, I, I want to, you know, when you say about your, your with the affection, I completely relate to that. My, I was raised by my father after he um, had separated from his ex-wife, who was the one who used to abuse me. And, you know, I never, my father being military, like there was never the, you're beautiful, I love you, the affection. So again, you bring that in to your experience. And so my daughter being the same way, she needs love. She needs affection. She needs, she is so touchy feely. So when you say there are moments where I just be like, God damn it. (laughs) And so, you know, what I say to that though, is I consciously, I actively try 
to really give her what she needs. And some of the way, the only ways that I can start is, is usually not by the physical affection because that is still very hard for me, but she, I'm, I'm blessed that she takes it. So she'll say, mommy, touch me, mommy, hug me, right? And so that gives me the cues that she needs it. But mm-hmm. I just try to start by telling her things like, I love you, you know, you're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, because that's the best place that I can start. I, I'm comfortable doing that. I can do that, but I, I can completely relate to, you know, because that was something I didn't have. So even doing that, I'm trying to like, you know, reprogram, but also break that chain um, mm-hmm. by giving her that. So, you know, kudos to to you as well in terms of just making sure that you're trying to, to provide that, you know, yeah. because it is tough when you didn't receive it. And like you said, I'm not emotionless, but I'm emotionless in certain areas. <laughs> And, and I don't call and I don't want to say that I'm emotionless because I, I feel emotions. And my thing is, it says I felt that being super vulnerable um, made you weak. Mm-hmm. It made, made you an easy target for someone to be able to take take advantage yeah. of you. Not realizing that showing emotion, you can be just strong as hell, but you're going to be you might be crying or something. I don't know. But and it, and it translates differently for everyone. But again, I just process my emotions more internally versus externally, where I'm, I'm, I'm in my head a lot about thinking things, thinking about things over and over and over again. Um, and then I'm kind of take I decide to take a more logical approach to things. So that's just how I naturally move. But yeah, everyone is different. But yeah, that physical, the physical affection thing. I'm really good with the words and hey, you know, hey, girl, what's going on? Having conversations. Mm-hmm. But sometimes. My daughter, she doesn't ask me. She just come hug me. She comes mm-hmm. to sit on my lap, her big 13-year-old self. And, you know, so sometimes I'll be like, girl, get off me. I, I be want to. But sometimes I'll be like, girl, just suck it up. Just take me. <laughs> yep. We have to learn that vulnerability yes. is the strength. Vulnerability is the superhero. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But with all that that you have um, experienced, I want to talk about how you pivoted and took all of that um past, you know, uh, you know, issues or traumas or whatever, and you turn them into this self-healing toolkit. So you have a self-healing toolkit um, that you created to help people kind of process through these things. So tell me a little bit more about that. So I thought about my own story, as I mentioned, you know, going through life being, you know, going through the situation of being abused, going through, I, I used to be a cutter. There were a lot of different uh, just situations that I went through. And I never really knew the power of like one story uh, until one day I just started talking about it and seeing the impact that it made in so many people that it affected um, allowed me to to share more. Like I've always been very transparent. I've never had shame in any experience I've had, any relationship I've had. Like you can't embarrass me. So, you know, because I did what I did and I stand in it. I experienced what I experienced and I'm okay with that. Uh, And so, you know, in sharing that story, like I just realized the power uh, that I had and being vulnerable and finding that strength and vulnerability. When you open yourself up, you do open the door to other, to to judgment. Um, and, And sometimes that's hard, but in my own healing, you know, I remember thinking someone asked me, they said, you know, in, in healing others, you're also healing yourself. Well, in also healing yourself, 
you're helping to heal other people. So mm -hmm. it, it's vice versa. So the more that I heal myself, I know the more that I'm helping to heal somebody else by sharing what my experience is. And so that healing toolkit is just a, a beginning place to start uh, with someone with wherever you are in life, whatever you're going through, just a way to start the self-reflection, the mm -hmm. accountability of wanting to be well, because it is your it's your part. It's your place to want to be well. Nobody else's. And so when you take accountability for that and you begin to start to change your mind and reprogram your mind, you begin to change your life. And so my intention, my goal is that through that healing, through using tools like the toolkit and other things that I have that, you know, you'll begin to start changing your mindset so that you can start changing your life and healing from the things that you've gone through because we all have something to heal from. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Come on now. I saw one of your um some of the merch that you have and mm -hmm. it said um own it so you can heal it. Right. Like, I love that fact that phrase. Like own it so that you can heal it. Like that's that's like epitome of like that's part of like what the 12 step program, you know, one you know, admit the mention <laughs> issue. I am whatever. Right. Know? So that is amazing. So then the next thing that I saw about you is about your weight loss journey. So mm -hmm. I have recently embarked on my own fitness and wellness journey, dealing with a little bit of weight loss because of, you know, I was pregnant just two years ago. So I had a little bit of that left. But um, tell me a little bit about the motivation to do that, because my listen, the older I get, the less motivated I am to like work out, to exercise, to eat, right? Because you get kind of comfortable in um, comfortable in your discomfort almost, right? Mm -hmm. So tell me about what motivated you to get started in that journey and kind of what has kept you motivated to um, like stay the course, so to speak. I had gotten comfortable in my denial of where I was. I always mm -hmm. was an overweight child. I was an overweight young adult, overweight adult. And so obesity was no stranger to me in my life. And then especially growing up with a lot of um, family members that were obese, it, you know, the mantra was that it was that it was natural, that it was OK, that it was normal, that it was your genetics, that it was just part of your blood and you just big bone and all of those things. And yes, genetics do play a part. Yes, genetics, you know, that everyone is not built to be a certain kind of way. But I don't believe that people are built to be morbidly obese. And so for me, I was 400 pounds at one point and I was in complete denial about that. And because I'm tall, I'm 5'10", I, I definitely would make a lot of excuses as to, well, I'm tall, I look, it, it doesn't look that bad. And people would tell me things like that too. But the reality is, is that people are cruel to obese people. People are cruel to people who are overweight. And I grew up with you know people saying, you'll never have a good mate you won't have friends. You won't get a good job because you're obese, because people don't like obesity. And to some degree, that is true. And you have to think about when you see somebody who's very obese, you know, what your reaction is or what you think about that. Like, we have to be honest about how we treat people in this world by how they look. Uh, and so one day I just finally got tired of looking that way, um, of pretending that I didn't look the way that I looked. And so I decided to really do something about it. And to be honest with you, the only thing that motivates me is that I don't ever want to be back where I was. I never want to go back to that place. I never want to have the experiences that I had and the cruelty that I endured. And that for me is enough. I am so scared to ever go back to that place that that helps me put down the food that I might eat because that's just a position that I just don't ever want to be in. 
weight is very hard to lose. And it's very hard, to, again, my favorite word, to take the accountability of where you actually are, of looking in the mirror and saying, I'm unhappy with this body mm -hmm. and I'm tired of pretending with this body. And people can't, you have a lot of people, and I, and I catch a little flack for this because I'm not one of those body positivity movers who's like, you know, it's okay, girl, to be 400, you still beautiful. Like, yes, you're still beautiful, but you can't tell me that you enjoy being on that. I've been on a plane and had the flight attendant embarrass me and say in front of everybody with me needing an extender. I've, I've done this. I've been on a roller coaster and couldn't fit. Like, you can't tell me that you enjoy that experience. You're not, you're not going to pretend to me, girl, that that is cool, that you're having fun right. in that body. Because it's it's different and it's a different experience. And so it's not to say that if you truly feel like, because what I've noticed is that the same people who preach about being happy in that body are the same people who low key are trying to do something about that body. But they're mm. not very open and honest about that experience of what they're going through and what it feels like when you're trying to shop. I was a size 26. Mm. So I'm a size 14 now. Let's that's go, girl. Totally, that's a totally different experience. And, and it feels different and it looks different, but I still deeply struggle with the dysmorphia of when I look at pictures, when I see myself, I still see the bigger person. So there's still some healing that I have to do because I learned how to pretend in that body. I had a facade of like, I created a comfort in that body. And now I'm trying to create a new normal in this new body. So I mean, it, it's been a very long journey. And, and the one thing that just keeps me grounded is I ask myself, like, do you want to be where you were? And are you truly hungry? Because a lot of the times I would eat and I would eat a lot and I wasn't really hungry. Like just listening to my body of like when I'm like yeah. when I'm really full, because those were context clues that I didn't know how to do before. Wow. Like all, all the information that you're bringing tonight, all the, the the tips and tricks that you have kind of like taught yourself to be able to, you know, move through these different phases of your life. Like it's, it's amazing. And it kind of goes into the next piece of you, which is your um, teaching business owners that how to shift their mindset and how to get into an entrepreneurial, you know, uh, perspective. And so tell me how, like a, a little bit about you know, finding your niche, helping other people find their niche and like getting themselves kind of business ready. It took me years to find it. I went, <laughs> I did this, I did that. I mean, there were so many different things that I did um, because I had so many different ideas. Uh, and finally, you know, again, one of the things that stuck, like with the whole motherhood piece, I was so anti talking about motherhood because I was so pressed about wanting to be more than a mom mm -hmm. that I refused to even talk about the journey of being a mom. And I missed out on an audience that I related to. The reality is, is that I am a mom. The reality is, is that I am right. a woman. Now, like these are things that I tried to like go through this denial about because I didn't want to like be under one niche. Like I, I wanted to, I felt like, but, but I can do this and I have this talent. I have this idea. And people will tell you, well, you got to focus on one thing. Now, I don't think you necessarily have to focus on one thing, but I do think that you have to be clear on what you're focusing on. Mm. Um, and so it took some time for me to develop what that focus should look like. And even to this day, as I'm building more of an audience, I still 
continue to hone in, continue to define the clarity, to continue to define the audience. And so a lot of the things of what I preach about businesses is just sharing my journey of the business. I spent $50,000 last year hiring people from Fiverr and Upwork and all types of things to design websites and all these things that I thought that I needed and some things that I didn't. So it's like I, 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 my, <laughs> I have hired a graphic designer to design this stuff for my website. And then all of a sudden they disappeared and I had paid them money. Like I share these experiences of like loss of gaining of, you know, showing people like what it looks like to really be in business for yourself. Or when I opened the store with the merch, right, you have all these concepts and they don't always sell. Like people aren't, there's so many, there's thousands of t-shirt businesses, right? And and so right. these are the type of things that I talk about in terms of, I don't think that you should ever stop your journey. And I don't think that, you know, you should not do what you're, what you feel like you're destined to do. I just think that you want to always continue to gain that clarity and just try, like, just do it. Don't stop, keep going. And all the, and there's so many days that I want to quit where I feel like, is this stupid? Is this dumb? Like, is this even worth doing? Uh, and those are the things that I have to constantly work through. And that's the part of the business that I feel like a lot of people don't talk about. They don't talk about them being in the red. They don't talk about the loan that they may have took out. They don't talk about how they want to quit every day when they're doing this. They don't talk about how yeah. ain't nobody buying their stuff. Like, like my, like I get merch sales here and there, but you know, the one thing that people buy from me, which is free is my story is my experience. Mm -hmm. Like that's it. The E, you know, my ebook, like I've, I've made sales, but it is hard to sell. It just is. And so when you have these people who will say, I'm going to teach you how to make $20,000 in a month, you're going to spend $20,000 in that month so that you can get some of the things that they're, that they're saying they'll give you, which is not, you know, some people, you know, can really show you a lot of things. But I've made investments into some of the people that you see all over Instagram and stuff and who are selling a store is selling a, a story of how they'll help you sell and scale your business to five figure months and 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 they're selling you a, a Zoom video that is <laughs> that has a lot of people interrupting the call, you know, where where you're not like really learning anything that you can't Google because they're right. not really sharing the ins and outs of their real story of how to really do what they doing. So mm -hmm. what I try to do is be transparent about how I'm really doing this, like really sharing information and resources. Like I'm not afraid of doing that because. My idea is still like, we're not the same. Like we, we could have the same idea, but we're going to execute it differently. Um, yeah. And so those are the things that I try to like talk about and really, um, really show people in terms of business is just the transparency of business, what it looks like and what, what are some tools and tricks that I use that has helped me along my journey in, in doing business. Right. Like, listen, I am a serial entrepreneur. I have. <laughs> I have started so many businesses because I have so many ideas. And honestly, I'm a hustler. So I'm like, which one of these is going to get me to that milli? <laughs> right. Okay. And so I, I agree with you. Like there is a lot of stuff that goes into being a business owner. And sometimes people don't realize it and they just want to jump out the window and start a business and not realizing that it takes hard work, dedication, time, patience, sometimes a lot of money. Yeah, I've also invested and in, bought into things, and I'm like, now why the hell <laughs> did I Man. 
this class. Like you said, you, you're thinking you're getting such value out of something to get to the training and it's kind of like, what? Like mm -hmm. you walked around the whole point of what it is that I came here for, ma'am, just to then try to sell me something else, a bigger right. package in you, your initial offering instead of giving me the information that you said you were giving me. In this yeah, time. I want the sauce. Give me the sauce. But the but see, the secret is and is is you 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 not you don't sell the sauce. You don't need you just sell a piece of the ingredient, but you don't really give all the ingredients for I, I don't work like that. I want to give you all right. the ingredients of the sauce because I, I want you to make it like I really want to see people succeed. I really want to see people heal. And so if I can give you the sauce to that I'm I, that's the impact. That's the legacy, you know, and that's what it's really about. Uh, but, you know, some things like you said, like some things you're going to hit and some things you're not. And so along the way, I just share some of the things that that hit and, and a lot of the things they don't. But, you you know, you just keep going. Sorry, I don't know if I blanked out there, but so um that is like a segue, right? Because some of those at that time situation make you want to like slap somebody, which mm -hmm. kind of goes into what we gonna talk about next, the slap hurt around the world, okay? Um, uh, I have enjoyed talking to you about everything that you have, have talked about today, um, your journey, your 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 social media presence, your book, your ebook, your it's it's just really comforting and seeing like how you have really overcome and how you continue to overcome and and then like you said you give people the sauce of how to also get to that same place of healing and development and everything and self-acceptance um just like you you experience so thank you so 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 very much but girl now we're gonna go over into the another little segment I got. We're gonna talk about um you know y'all's your accomplishments and everything you have going on, but then we got a little bit of something else going on over here that we're gonna talk about too, which is kind of what's going on in the world right now, right? Right. So did you watch the Oscars? I didn't watch the Oscars, but I did watch that clip that went around the world. I did so. Yes. So I'm sorry, Lord Jesus. Somebody's always trying to disrupt you. See, look, look this is about to make me get somebody <laughs> together if they keep on calling me. Look, so I, I thought I put my phone on do not disturb. So unfortunately, I don't know what's going on with that. But girl, what did you think about that? You know, do you, do, do you think Will Smith was wrong or do you think Chris Rock was wrong for crossing, I guess, respect lines um, with his people been disrespecting Will and Jada for years? Well, so you can't you can't get on to me, you know, and I'm glad Will took full accountability. You can't, you know, tell me that all of a sudden what because would he have done that to the rock? Like if The Rock was hosting the Oscars, would he have gotten up and smacked the shit out of The Rock? I doubt it. I doubt it. So, you know, I think that what Will is carrying is a lot of burden of a lot of things that, you know, his family has been in the media for. I think that, you know, I think that he just had a moment where he just felt frustrated, where he felt fed up from a lot of different things that I think had nothing to do with Chris Rock at all. Exactly. And I, and I think that it was more of like, it was just, 
the 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 icing that broke the bat you know like yeah. it, it just it it was the straw that broke the camel's back and and i don't feel like it had anything to do with the joke that he said um at all i really don't and i think that because there have been a lot of people who have said some disparaging things about his wife you know and where is the the, the defense there right right um, i think that it was a moment where he just was carrying a lot of pressure. And I think that he felt like he needed to prove himself in a way that he hadn't been proving himself before. Um, and that's what it looked like. And I think that he lost control over his emotions. And, you know, I, I have empathy for that because I've been there. I've been in settings in professional settings where I could lose everything and have reacted like a complete ass because someone kept picking with me and making me upset. Right. And I lost my cool, like lost all my cool. Um, and so I know what that's like. And so I do think that he just had a moment where he lost his cool. And, mm -hmm. but I don't think that, I don't think that like he's a comedian. That's what he's supposed to do. Like it don't, ain't nobody exempt. Dave Chappelle make fun of <laughs> all types of stuff. Mm -hmm. Other com other white comedians say some crazy things mm -hmm. so it it's not i don't think it like i don't think it's about that i think it's much deeper than that so i i, I see a couple of different things, right i see it from that perspective of it's comedy you you know it's kind of almost like when you get up when a comedian comes on stage if you anywhere close to the front you already know you fair game okay if they right. see you they're gonna say something right but in the same breath I don't, you know, I don't know how familiar Chris Rock is with Jay, with kind of like why her hair is short, you know, to make that particular man about. Um, I would think that he may be familiar with her and kind of what's going on and the health condition concern with that. Um, do I think that Will should have just went up there and smacked fire out of him? No. But on the flip side, you know, women, especially black women, we always want to, and people want to holler, oh, black women are the least defended. No one cares about black women and how we feel about whatever, whatever. And in that moment, he felt that he needed to defend his wife, you know what I'm saying, and make her feel comfortable. Not, I don't think she told him, you know, whispered in his ear, go smack him, baby. I don't think that. But it's kind of like, what do you do? Like you said, like he is carrying a lot from what has been going on in the media about him, his wife, his marriage, and his family. Because, you know, they've been saying things about his kids and all different kinds of stuff. However, I don't know. I, I would want my husband to say or do something. I feel like he could have said something during his acceptance speech. You know what I'm saying? or something. But Although he didn't know that he was winning at that time. But, you know, he could have said something during during acceptance speech or during, you know, one of the behind the scenes red carpets, you know, Twitter, you know, response or something like that to kind of like put him in place if he felt like he was actually being disrespectful. If he had more information than about her condition. So it, it's a, it's a, it's a fine line. I mean, I think condition or not, I, if I'm a comedian, I'm still going to be disrespectful. Like, <laughs> I just, I, I, I think like it's just part of the territory now, publicly yeah. in that matter on the Oscars, eh, you know, maybe not. Uh, but 
I just, I, I think, as I mentioned, I don't know everybody can get it. I don't care what condition you got. Yeah. But I think also it's also a buildup of the last time that Chris uh, Rock hosted the Oscars. And he also mentioned something about Jada and Will and da da da. And it's kind of like, like he, like Will said, you know, keep my my wife name out your mouth. Why are they always the butt of your joke on this particular platform? Now, see that I understand in terms of like this. There seems to be an underlying issue. There right. seems to be something that exists there, rather than it just truly being jokes, truly being comedy. And that part I can definitely understand. Where it seems like. You know why? Like you just mentioned, why is it always that I'm that we're the butt of the joke, or is this really a joke? Like, if you got a problem with me, brother, say you got a problem. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I do understand from that perspective for sure. So you know, I guess that that that's I guess you can we can go on and on about that back and forth. Um, but I think that I guess circling it back around to our main topic of kind of you know we're dealing with our past traumas. And being able to make the best decisions and to heal from those so that we they don't kind of come out in a way that we don't want them to be. So your mm -hmm. point, like where who knows what the backlash and ramifications of this will be for Will. You know, I although he is a accomplished act business person, you know, and everything like that, who knows? Who knows what may come of this? You know, right now the um Oscars are talking about whatever penalties, fines, whatever that they'll impose on him. Um, but, and also just the social stain that he, that may come from this because you're going right. to have to support him. And then you're going to know that will may not ever do business with him again because of this. So we have to be held accountable <laughs> for uh, the decisions that we make so that, you know, that we're able to properly heal from whatever trauma and move forward. Right. Without right. making, you know, careless and kind of arbitrary, you know, decisions that will come back and bite you in the butt. I do agree with that. Absolutely. So thank you so much, ma'am, for coming mm -hmm. on my podcast. Um, and I want to give you a moment now to like shout yourself out, shout your social media out, tell us about any new projects that you have that you're working on and kind of judge yourself. No. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Uh, if you want to learn more about me, you want to follow me. I'm the real Sasha Nicole on Instagram. My website is fearlessinfluence.com and that's influence without the I. So fearlessinfluence.com. Um, if you're interested in learning more about the 501c3 that I have, my nonprofit for women of color dealing with postpartum depression, you can go to partumevolution.org and you'll see a lot of the different things that we're doing there. Uh, and some new things that I have coming very shortly. Lord, I'm, I'm working so hard to try to finish. I do have some courses that'll be coming out where I'm truly going into detail about things like healing from trauma, branding, um, self-care for moms, talking about contracts. Like if you want to, if you're interested in working with the government and doing federal contracts, because that's what I do for a living for my full-time job um, is I, I award contracts to small businesses. And so I'm actually giving the the tools and the tips of the trade of things of when you want to work with the government, when you want to work with contracts, when you want to understand how certain business things work, I'll be doing a lot of courses that deal with that. I will one course that, that deals and encompasses all of that. And so th these things are coming very soon within the next few weeks. Uh, and so look out for that. My eBooks on my website, you can shop my merch on my website. And th it's a lot of different wellness 
sayings that I have. And that's all the ways that you can find me. So again, thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. thing that we didn't talk about was the self-care part that you talk about with moms. I meant to talk about that, but we'll have to save that for another episode. But yes, thank you again so much. You have, you're amazing. You have so many things going on and I can't wait to see what comes next and to kind of continue to follow you um, at on your mom journey and also on your journey, helping other people heal. And while you're helping yourself heal um, in life and going forward. So thank you so, so very much. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. So that was today's episode of the no BS mom cast. Y'all. Sasha has so much going on. She is such a wealth of knowledge and really kind of helping us moms really move to the next stage of our healing, making sure that we're able to focus on ourselves, deal with some of the, the past traumas that we've maybe experienced and to not push those into our thing currently. Man, she just dropped a whole bunch of jewels and bombs all at the same time. I can't wait to kind of go back and review my notes that I've been kind of mentally taking, get it all out onto some paper. But Thank you so much for tuning in to the No BS Momcast. You can follow me on IG, No BS Momcast, on um, YouTube, the No BS Momcast, and anywhere else, the No BS Momcast. Um, and you can also um, email me at the No BS Momcast.com. Until next time, bye and I rest.